everybody. Welcome to All of the WrestleManias, the podcast. I'm your co-host, Tim Hackman. And I'm Rich Sigwald. We are always thrilled to be back in the studio with you. This is our first episode of 2023, so we'd like to say Happy New Year. I hope you all had a very enjoyable and peaceful holiday season, and uh, you got everything that you wanted from your uh, your special people out there. Um, we also hope you enjoyed our wrap-up, our two- 2022 year in review episode we had a good time looking back at some of the things that we watched last year some some stuff that we liked some stuff that we didn't like we also did a uh, wrestle war 91 and we did a guest appearance on the turtle wars podcast we had a lot of fun talking to those guys so we hope you check them out as well it was kind of fun to listen to a, a show other than ours and hear our our sparkling voices coming back out at us. Yeah, that was a uh, interesting experience and a lot of fun. They were fun guys to talk with, and uh, we're hoping to have them on to talk about WrestleMania three, which should be a lot of fun. And uh, I was caught off guard when I turned on their video on YouTube and noticed that they were actually in the same room with each other. I didn't think <laughs> they were, and that I was like, oh wow, okay. Cool. Yeah, I didn't realize that either. So when we were talking to them, because they each had like a different kind of background. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, they, they're much more professional than we are. I guess. But they're also in know. the same state, which we are not. No, we're overcoming much more uh, technical challenges out here just to just to bring the folks the product they demand. Yes, we got to give the people what they want. <laughs> yeah, it's our holiday gift to all of you. So you enjoy your uh, your holidays. Yeah, they were um, eventful. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, there, it involved a, a lot of projectile vomit. Um, <laughs> By the, you? No, thank God, no, not me. Okay, good. It probably would have been better if it had been me, because we wouldn't have had to like rip a car seat out of the car and hose it off and and stuff, because we Jesus. were in the middle of nowhere on the Maryland Eastern Shore driving to Philadelphia when... A uh, the child looked a little pale, and I was like, "Oh, maybe he's just falling asleep because he was nodding off." And then out came the most vomit I'd ever seen in my life come out of a child. I, I don't know what happened. Two toys got thrown out completely immediately. Huh. Uh, there was no saving them. And then we it was about ten degrees out too, so I had to stand outside of the car while my wife crammed into the back seat with him screaming to change his clothes and mop up as much of the vomit as possible. So we could just <laughs> put him back in the car seat and we're an hour away from where we're going and we're an hour away from home. So there's no point in turning around. Nozzle just plow through. That, that was, sounds, that sounds that lovely. Was, that was Christmas morning. Merry Christmas. Um, <laughs> But after that, for the most part, everything went all right. Besides the uh, shot ski that showed up at the family Christmas dinner, um, mm. the family knows how to party. So, <laughs> yeah, I was uh, I was impressed with the pictures. You, I didn't know you were, you had married into a frat house there. Yeah, apparently I did, um, and it's a crazy one. <laughs> Well, night. Well, I'm glad you survived. I didn't yeah. have anybody throwing up over here. Um, I did feel like I did a shit ton of cooking for the break. So if anybody would be throwing up, it'd be my own fault. Uh, but I think, you know, we did okay. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, so for this episode, we're trying something a little bit different. We're calling this the Two for Tuesday episode. We started off with a fan request uh, from our buddy Nick. He asked us to take a look at This Tuesday in Texas, which is a pay-per-view show from 1991. And as we're doing a little bit of reading about it, we noted that it's sort of WWF's kind of first and very one of very few attempts to do a pay-per-view show on a night other than Saturday or Sunday uh, and a Tuesday, obviously. Um, and in fact, it didn't, they didn't actually try it again until 2004. So as we're reading, we're like, Oh, well, what's the 2004 show? And we looked that up uh, and that's a show called taboo Tuesday. There were two of those. Uh, the first one was 2004. Second one was 2005, obviously. And then that, show became Cyber Sunday and it went off of Tuesday um, back to the weekend where pay-per-views belong like God intended. Um, so anyway, we thought we'd kind of wrap them together, call it two for Tuesday. We'll look at this Tuesday in Texas and Taboo Tuesday and a couple of pay-per-views that are 13 years apart and worlds apart, I'd say, in terms yeah. of roster and feel and stories and et cetera, et cetera. So that's what, that's what we got for you today. Um, do you have background on this Tuesday in Texas before we get into that one? Yeah. I mean, I don't understand why they would aim for Tuesday. Like that's a very yeah. random day of the week, maybe coincided with tour like dates or something like that. Um, I know the, the this Tuesday in Texas um, was just a few days after the the Survivor Series that had happened that year, and so there was a lot of rubber matches and such off of that. The main draw of that one is to settle the ugliness that's happening in the trio between Undertaker, Ric Flair, and Hulk Hogan, and a brilliant spot at the end of the ninety. 91 Survivor Series, uh, Undertaker has Hogan up for the tombstone and the ref is distracted and Ric Flair slides a steel chair into the path of the tombstone, giving the Undertaker his first championship win in the WWF. And then uh, Jack Tunney was so angry, so angry. So this is this is outrageous. This is the worst thing that ever happened. Uh, declared that at the new this Tuesday in Texas, uh, the Undertaker will have to defend his belt against Hulk Hogan. Yeah, it's just so weird. And when we we're when we were looking at the this Tuesday in Texas, there's a ton of dark matches. Nine dark matches. And those several of those dark matches look better than the matches that ended up on the (laughs) pay-per-view. Notedly, Ric Flair versus Roddy Piper is a dark match and is actually the longest match of the whole night. I would pay uh, I would pay American dollars to watch that match now. Yeah, I would pay I would pay crypto. (laughs) <laughs> I would buy crypto and then pay it to watch that match. Yeah. The Legion of Doom have two dark matches. They face the Natural Disasters and the Rockers. Um, so I don't know if that was like a tournament or maybe it was just one of those deals where, oh, you beat them. Now you got to beat us or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it was like a tag gauntlet match or something like that. And there's a uh, Greg Valentine versus the Brooklyn Brawler. Like that sounds good too. Like, it, yeah. I mean, I know that Brooklyn Brawler was used as enhancement talent, but I mean, Greg Valentine doesn't need enhancement at this time. (laughs) That match just has to be a barn burner. Yeah, it's just there's all kinds of enigmas around this 
Tuesday in Texas that is as fascinating. Yeah, it's a little strange. It's a it's an anomaly, um, and so it, you know it makes sense to to watch it and review it. It sort of stands out in the the kind of the history of the the pay per views uh, that was held December third, nineteen ninety one, at the Freeman Coliseum in San Antonio, Texas. Attendance is is very small, eight thousand, probably a decent crowd for San Antonio. I had to guess. But uh, it's pay-per-view. a Tuesday. It's a school it's night. A like, <laughs> I mean, I know they think that Sundays are also technically a school night, but I'd much rather go out on a Sunday night than yeah. on a tuesday night i had to work that day and then got to work the next day no no (laughs) no thanks well nobody expects you to be all that on on a monday anyway right so you're a little right you're a little under it's fine um pay-per-view buys on this guy was uh so again not not huge by any means it's a fucking tuesday um but you know, some some interesting stuff on the card for sure. Uh, Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan are on commentary, so I'm always hyped for that. And then they're beautiful uh, on this on this show. Yeah, they're, right. they're so good. Uh, after all those dark matches, after all the ones you mentioned, there's the rest have a bunch of people that I have liver, literally never heard of, um, which is fairly unusual because usually, you know, this period, you at least kind of recognize some of the names, but I got nothing. Um and then we we start out with an Undertaker and Paul Bearer promo that I assume had you reaching for the Kleenex over at your place. Oh yeah, that's it's it's a genius it's a genius moment and it involves Paul Bearer landing the line. He the Undertaker will eviscerate Hulk Hogan's bluing flesh. <laughs> Beautiful lines. Uh, oh, love man. it. I don't understand why the Undertaker is hanging out in the boiler room of the arena and why he's got red and green light all over the place down there. But, hey, you know, he's weird. He's a creeper. And so I guess yeah. that makes sense, right? Well, it's December. It's after Thanksgiving. They may have uh, decorated for the holidays already. Yeah, it could be holiday lighting. Yeah. yeah. It's the uh, the maintenance guy. That's his office, you know, in the boiler room. Yeah, I normally put up my Christmas lights like the Friday yeah. after Thanksgiving. So it makes sense if they're uh if that's if that's what's happening here, possibly. <laughs> we took ours down today, so um, uh, but we don't have a boiler room. But no. Anyway. But first up on the card is Bret Hart. Uh yay. Versus Skinner. Yeah. Uh. Um Skinner, of course, <laughs> being Steve Kern, formerly of the Fabulous Ones. Uh repackaged as to quote Gorilla, this roughneck from the Everglades. Yeah, he's uh, some kind of dirty swamp redneck. Yeah, uh, until he gimmick. becomes Doink the Clown. <laughs> it's a it's a career killing gimmick if you uh, if you ever saw one. Yeah, it's not a good it's not a good look, and uh, the crowd for this show is super hot. They are mm-hmm. hype, but I mean, they just finished watching Ric Flair and Roddy Piper go for fifteen minutes, so of course they're fired up. Um. You know, the odds of you winning a title match when you're introduced as already in the ring, <laughs> it's not, it's not good. Like Slim you're, to none. they announce your, your name while the champs music is playing. Mm, you're not winning. Yeah. No, we've noted that many times. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So Steve, good old Steve Kern. This is actually a a decent match there's uh yeah. brett goes through his five moves of doom you know i could watch him do that shit like one million times and never get tired of it you know and every every time it's like it's like coming home you know he does the yeah. side russian leg sweep does the 
the drop off the second turnbuckle and it's all, it's all just so perfect. Yeah. And the, the snap suplex that is crisp and beautiful and very tight. Uh, it's, but like in this match though, Brett misses that elbow. Um, yeah. Skinner jumps out of the, out of the five uh, moves of doom several times. And this match goes a little long for my taste, but it, it, it's good. And uh, Brett really sells for Skinner. Like he really is working to put Skinner over. It's very, uh, it's, it's probably Skinner's high point until he puts on the clown makeup, honestly. <laughs> um, and it took eight minutes and 21 seconds into this event before we got the first, will you be serious from Gorilla Monsoon? <laughs> nice. And that happens during this match. Cause uh, Bobby said something ridiculous. I can't, <laughs> I can't even remember, but like it got the, will you be serious from Gorilla? And it's uh yeah, great. no, it's a solid match. It's a good start yeah. to the show. I got, maybe un, a little uh, unduly excited by it. Um, so I didn't mention that was for the WWF Intercontinental Championship, obviously. Bret Hart um, beats Skinner with the sharpshooter and the submission. Uh, and then, and then... Oh, the Skinner is also pulling off the Stan Hansen. He has got a mouthful of chewing tobacco. <laughs> and like at one point actually stops during the match to pick up his spit can and and spits into it and then comes back in and uses an alligator claw as it was referenced as a foreign object to, <laughs> to hit Brett. Uh, this, uh, this match had a lot of weird stuff in it, but <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to skip over that. That's no, not... you can't, you can't miss Skinner stopping the spit. It's, a, it's, a, it's those little touches, you know, they really sell yeah. the gimmick. Um, but no, I, I think the reason I got sort of excited to move on is because after this, there's a oh. Jake the Snake promo that is, um, uh, it's, yeah. You know, when people talk about him as one of the greatest promos of all time, this is the kind of thing that they were talking about. He's talking about the incident uh, where he <laughs> put the Cobra on Macho Man, the devenomed Cobra, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but that's thing would not let go and all the kids <laughs> are crying the greatest moments of all of wrestling oh, it's so good um jack tunney has barred reptiles from ringside all reptiles so don't bring your turtle don't bring your your gila monster or your uh, monitor it's, lizard it's very specific uh wording though he's not allowed to have it in his corner yeah um there are some amazing lines in this jake the snake promo uh, such as cold as a razor blade, as tight as a turning key, like the skin on a dying man. <laughs> Whoa. That's from uh, Pink Floyd's The Wall. Yeah. Your eyes weren't even there. Do you know whose eyes I enjoyed the most? Elizabeth's. <laughs> and then anything I do is your fault. Amazing. Oh, so good. Psychologically devastating. I would just cry. I wouldn't even yeah. be able to wrestle. I'd just be crying in the corner. He's so good. No, seriously, if I, I don't, you know, we don't want to get into violating copyright, but like, I don't know if it'd be possible to cut any of that into the episode or maybe just, <laughs> just go watch it. People like, Oh my God. Yeah. It's one of Jake's us. best. And yeah. honestly, it's something that this pay-per-view is stellar with. So it's like more of the old fashioned 
match promo match promo format but the Mm -hmm. promos in this pay-per-view are some of the best out there of this era it almost feels like a monday night raw episode where the promos are more important than the matches that are happening Uh, because most of the matches on this card are meh yeah after this you get macho man and he is furious oh my god and he's using the word yeah as a comma like it's just like and then jake yeah i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna yeah and then like elizabeth is standing next to him like shivering like a cold chihuahua in winter like the the visuals and like macho man keeps turning his back to the camera and is going nuts it's it's very dramatic yeah he is all kinds of fired up um, I, I don't really know what he says, actually. No, because um, he's I so fired up. Yeah, I couldn't get any of it. And I watched it like three or four times. and I really couldn't get any of it except yeah. for, yeah, over <laughs> and over and over again. It's like it's a comma and period and exclamation point all in one. I think it's the it's the emotion that you're supposed to take away from it, right? He's yeah, he's furious about the thing with the Cobra. He's coming for Jake the Snake. He's had it with his psychological bullshit and he's just gonna rip him apart so that is a brilliant lead into their match um and uh this it doesn't have any and we get that sexy jake the snake music (laughs) oh i know that's your favorite i got so excited when i got to hear that music again musical viagra no macho man music he just fucking sprints to the ring yeah and jumps jake out on the outside like and like Macho Man is in his full plumage during half of this match. The match isn't very long. Uh, the chaos after it is beautiful and takes forever. Um, and it's it's a brawl. There's no te- real technique or anything like that to it. Um, there's a beautiful atomic drop, though, from Randy. On to Randy, sorry. And uh, Jake's arm is still bandaged. Yeah, and it he, starts bleeding too. He must have put a blood capsule under the badge <laughs> bandage or something because, like, it it starts it starts bleeding. I don't know if it's you know real because I don't think the snake you know like did enough damage to where he would have like an open wound still underneath that bandage. But good stuff. Yeah, like you said, it's a quick match. It's a six, a little over six minutes. Yeah. So the finish basically is Roberts lands the short arm clothesline and then Macho does get up and like Roberts goes charging at uh, Macho in the corner with an elbow and misses and bounces off the turnbuckle hard and falls down. And Macho, in like a single step, climbs to the top rope and is flying through the air with his massive elbow and gets the win. But the music doesn't hit, and Macho, because Macho Man ain't done. <laughs> so Macho Man runs out of the ring to get a chair, but they're trying to stop him. And so then he ends up with the bell, and uh, the refs wrestle the bell away from macho. And as they do, he spins and there's Jake and Jake plants a big old DDT on him. Yeah. He snaps that thing on him out of nowhere. He's like like a snake. Almost. You could say his DDT is a work of art. It's, I know it's a very simple looking move, but the way he did it and the way people sold it for him was top notch. Yeah. It's still the best as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I know other people have picked it up as a, as their move, but his is the is the only one for me. Yeah, and then uh, we get lied to by Gorilla Monsoon at this point because uh, after that DDT lands, he screams twenty thousand people on their feet. Like, <laughs> no, there's only eight thousand people <laughs> here, bro. 
eight eight thousand people might be on their feet, yeah. maybe. Uh, and then we find out that Jake bypassed the rules. Are you serious? Are you shitting me right now? He hid that snake under the ring, so it wasn't oh in his God. corner, but under the ring. Elizabeth then dives into the ring to save Macho from the snake, and she's in in tears and she's screaming, "Please, please, Jake, please, <laughs> please!" And like Randy has been out for like five minutes from that DDT, like he is he is a mess. He is a hot mess, and he finally starts getting up, and then bam, out of nowhere, another DDT. <sighs> And like they're starting to talk like how Macho Man might have brain damage now and stuff. It's a uh, boy. They milk this. They milk this scene. It goes on quite a quite a long time. Um, and then Jake eventually starts pushing Elizabeth and Earl Hebner both around, um, kind of getting a little rough with them both. Um, and that's sort of that's sort of where they end up kind of breaking it up. Then after after so much drama, <laughs> and uh, President Tunney comes down to the ring to try and get Jake out and. Uh, <laughs> Jake comes down the the steel steps and tries to shake President Tunney's hand. <laughs> and Tunney's like, "No." And Jake just starts laughing and walks away. It's oh. he's evil. He's pure evil. He is. And then he he cuts a promo after the match where the best line is he says, "Let me touch her again." <laughs> he also tells me and Gene that slapping Elizabeth felt so good he thinks he should have to pay for it. <laughs> And Mean Gene, mean Gene <laughs> starts off that interview by saying, you are a bona fide sicko, Jake Roberts. Just <laughs> <laughs> great. Uh, then we get Macho and and Elizabeth there, right? Or is that? that they, no, that's they, a little later. Yeah. Yeah. They, they come back match after first. the. Yeah. They come back after the next match. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's. That's also a good one. I mean, you can talk yeah. about it now if you want. Uh, yeah, we we can. I mean, uh, Macho Man is in full hysterics at this point. Uh, it's the brain damage from the DDT talking at this point. <laughs> He's in like, freak out mode for sure. Yeah, he tells Mooney to shut up. Yes. Shut up, Mooney, is how he starts his promo, as many people do. And then he says that Snake uh, Jake uh, degraded Elizabeth. And then Macho Man starts hitting himself and yelling for allowing Jake to touch Elizabeth. And yeah. uh, it's this so much theater and so much chaos. It's beautiful. And <laughs> like Macho Man collapses at the end because he, he stood up to talk and then he went down and he collapses. I thought they did a great job of having the good guy win the match. Yet the feud is not resolved at all. It's right. worse. The feud yeah. is worse now, even though the good guy won. That's amazing. Macho Man's yelling, it's my fault. It's my fault. I blame myself over and over and over and over again. And he also gets as close to the camera as I've ever seen anybody in a promo. <laughs> like he's, like, he's way up in there. Like full on face in the camera. They just don't pull it off like that anymore. You know, Mm-mm. they just don't like, oh, man, this makes me, uh, makes me miss it. Like, this is some seriously good writing. This is seriously good booking. And it's a six minute match that consumes like 20 minutes of the show, maybe. And it's the best thing on the show. Yeah, it's not even close, really. It's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> well worth it. Two Again, two absolute stars at the top of their game. Elizabeth adds a whole lot uh, to the proceedings, um, just, just as she did in some other uh, things that we've seen in WrestleMania, you know, the 
the uh, aftermath of the one with the Ultimate Warrior. Yeah, it's it's her innocence. The the yeah. the 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 um yeah the the reuniting after uh, Sherry turns on Macho Man. Yeah, it's her innocence and like the genuine feeling that she's an outsider and that she's just there to support her man and that like <laughs> she's not up to any shenanigans and she's she's. She's pure. She's too pure for this world. She's like a cinnamon <laughs> cinnamon roll for you know. She she just can't be. She can't be brought down into that level. And that's what sets Macho Man off every time is when she gets sucked down into the into the wrestling grime that Macho Man is trying to keep her out of. And whether it's Hogan bringing her down, or it's Jake the Snake bringing her down, or Ric Flair, or Sherry, all of them. It's all amazing work and she she doesn't have to do much Mm-mm. it's like the perfect job well and you know macho man's so over the top that her quiet sort of and fearful intensity you know just sort of sells an awful lot yeah just by contrast so it's like you see her and she's like oh you're like well she's normal and here's <laughs> macho man like flipping his shit all the time just non-stop <laughs> out of control maniac it's like there's those set of friends that everybody has everybody has that like one couple of friends you're like how how did that happen how did (laughs) how the hell did they happen like yeah he's insane and she seems normal she just goes to work and you know stops at starbucks on the way and gets a coffee and he's doing bumps of cocaine off his wrist and like selling penny stocks and going nuts like yeah, Macho Man would have totally been a day trader. Oh, yeah, for, for sure. He's so. he's on the phone. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. You should buy a thousand dollars of these stocks. They're gonna go through the roof. They're the cream of the crop. <laughs> Stock tips with Randy Macho Man Savage. <laughs> on this episode of All the WrestleManias. Stay away from crypto. <laughs> it's a scam, brother. All right. Are we ready to move on? Uh, the next one is a match that I feel like we've seen roughly 400 times. Um, <laughs> it's the British Bulldog Davy Boy Smith versus the Warlord, who's represented by Harvey Whippleman in his corner. Um, and I, yeah, I know we've seen this on multiple shows at this point. <laughs> it, it's really like they have to be like, all right, we got about 10 minutes to fill. Bulldog, well, Warlord, get out there. What do we do got? something. Yeah. Do something. Well, because every time that we watch them, I write the exact same thing in my notes. I write, look at these two slabs of beef. And how yeah. is it possible that anybody is bigger than Davy Boy? Well, <laughs> Warlord is like a head taller than him and like a third as wide as Davy is. Yeah. Um, which is insane. He is so over. The British Bulldog is so freaking over in this match. I still feel like it's a lost opportunity to have not given him like a bigger push than winning the Battle Royal at Royal Albert Hall and the tag championship and winning the intercontinental title from Brett at SummerSlam in Wembley stadium. Like, okay, great. You took him home and you gave him the mid card belt. Congratulations. That dude is a British Hulk Hogan. He totally is. Put him over. Stop making him fight the warlord. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and they do a lot of the same moves. Davey does that, that running power slam thing, which is impressive to begin with. And then you think about like just, the force and strength it must take to move somebody like the warlord up into a, a yeah. maneuver like that. Um, I can't help but to think about like how many calories these guys are burning in this match. 
Because, I mean, these these are two huge muscle-bound people, and, like, muscle burns a ton of calories. And then this match goes for almost 13 minutes. Uh, it's, I mean, granted, a lot of it is a bear hug. But after five minutes in, I'm like, I don't understand how this match is still going. <laughs> Neither one yeah. of these guys look like they do cardio. But here we yeah. are. There is a sort of unique spot that I hadn't seen in one of their other matches. And that is Warlord getting the uh, full Nelson on Davey and just about making yeah. him pass out from the full Nelson. And yeah. the announcers are making a big deal that the Warlord has his hands in Davey's hair. So Davey can't get out. But he, of course, does come back, hits that power slam. And then a crucifix for the win. The ring is just bouncing like a sky zone trampoline yeah it's uh, rough <laughs> it's like 500 pounds of manhood in there we've watched wcw in this time period and and we've watched wwf in this time period and we're just and it's just like almost everybody in wwf at this point is like all the top guys at least are big muscle bodybuilder looking type guys mm-hmm and like so it's almost like standard practice and then you watch a wcw show then there's lex luger who's built like that over in wcw and that's it yeah and so like i think we're starting to see why lex just didn't quite catch in wwf and it's just because over in wcw his look was very unique but in wwf it really wasn't i mean they we've already seen hulk Hogan, we'd seen british bulldog we'd seen the warlord We'd seen Hercules. We'd seen like all these guys that had already looked ripped. And mm-hmm. uh, so there was nothing like special about Lex Luger in that way. Like yeah, that, that was his sense. gimmick, you know. Meanwhile, over at WCW, the rest of the uh, roster looks like they just got off work at the Jiffy Lube. Right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they, they unroll the cigarettes from their shirt sleeves and, and lay those in the corner before they come in to wrestle. It's a you know. roster of 20 Eddie Kingstons, you know. <laughs> So, and I nice. love Eddie Kingston. Don't take that as a, yeah. as a shot. I love him, but they're but not, not built like the British Bulldog <laughs> over the warlord here. Well, the next match is uh, Ted DiBiase and the Repo Man uh, with Sensational Sherry in their corner versus Tito Santana and Virgil. So this is still sort of coming out of that Virgil-Ted DiBiase breakup thing after being his his valet for a long time not entirely sure how the repo man got involved except i i guess he's repossessing things that uh people that basically yeah dbc hired him did. yeah 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 they kind of tie the, the gimmicks together there this isn't a, a pay-per-view caliber match no sorry this is they're desperate. I will say that Sherry is, as always, trying for that uh, pay-per-view MVP award. Yeah, <laughs> she's well, a she's a beautiful maniac. She yeah. Uh, when you have her ringside and Heenan on commentary too, there's some amazing things happening. Like so, Sherry is yelling at Repo Man to get it together, and then uh, Bobby Heenan says to Gorilla Monsoon, "When's your birthday? You can have her." <laughs> What the hell does that mean? <laughs> I did note some uh, some racist comments from Bobby yeah. uh, on this one yeah, because yeah. Tito and Virgil are involved. Yeah. Um, he gets a couple of will you stops from Gorilla. Gorilla Monsoon don't stand for no racial insensitivity. The brain makes a comment about how Tito would be in better shape if he had not taken time to go to his father's bullfighting school oh, or geez. whatever. So, like, I mean, Heenan is taking a shot at Tito Santana's new gimmick of El Matador. 
you know, so like, I think Heenan, I think it feels like a backhanded like jab from Heenan at the, at the, like the over the top gimmicks that are starting to show up here, making fun of Tito. I guess Tito Santana went to a bullfighting school over the summer and now he's El Matador kind of, kind of shot there. Um, that's a, that's a fair question, I guess. Right. Yeah. Like uh-huh. he just, he just stopped being Tito Santana and is suddenly El Matador like, <laughs> and dressing up like a matador. Like that's kind of weird. So, well, at least he didn't put on like an Indian costume or something. No, you know? no. Like, so the million dollar man wins with some underhanded tactics as you would expect. Uh, but there's a, uh, you know, some, some, some decent fast paced action from uh, everybody, especially Tito yeah. Santana, who we love. It's a, I, I think I thought it was a decent showing for Virgil, who, you know, he's he was never like the world's greatest worker or anything, but he he gets he gets a couple of things in there. Uh, this is maybe a good time to mention that uh, that one of the Christmas uh, present that Rich sent me this year was uh, Tito Santana's self published autobiography called uh, "Don't Call Me Chico," which is delightful. There's a lot of really nice black and white pictures of his uh, like younger days in there. I haven't gotten very far yet, but I the the uh, what do you call it the um the sort of blurb at the front of the book uh the quote is from jesse ventura and uh he talks uh, and it's, it's like three or four sentences about how he liked working with tito santana better than he liked working with anybody because tito santana always knew exactly what to do to let the other guy have the best possible match that he could have um and that's why in jesse's mind tito was pretty much the best that was out there which is a nice thing that you would send to somebody for their autobiography but it's also uh, I think kind of true of his style yeah. and one of the things we really enjoy about him, you know, that's one of the things about that match with Ric Flair and Tito Santana at the battle Royal Royal Albert hall. He Ric Flair looks amazing in that match. And part of it's because Tito Santana is working perfectly with him. And like every match that you see with Tito Santana, his opponent looks amazing. So like <laughs> Shawn Michaels doesn't get anywhere without Tito Santana making him look brilliant at wrestlemania 8 so i i full agree with um jesse the body ventura so anyway so thank you for that book i'm excited to read it uh it's already got a place of pride with my other wrestling biographies and autobiographies yeah i'm looking forward to reading the book about the bushwhackers that you sent me (laughs) i gotta i i I skimmed the index to see if i was mentioned in there since they licked me but yeah i did not see my name but maybe they had me confused because i was dressed as paul bearer at the time so we'll find out Check the index for Paul Bearer and see what I have to say. Yeah, maybe it has a C also or something like that. Yeah. Although, so. wouldn't you die if they're like, you know, because a lot of those books are just sort of telling like funny stories or whatever. Yeah. And it'd be like, this one time at a house show in Hershey for Halloween, we licked this kid and his face was covered with baby powder. <laughs> and you, you're like, oh shit, that's me. That's me. I got so sick. I got so sick because I licked a uh, licked, uh, kid with baby powder on his face and it tasted horrible and I got dry mouth during the match and I passed out. <laughs> I bet you're in there. I'm, I'm sure. Highlight it. Highlight it. Sending me a picture as soon as you find it. Yeah. So. So anyways, this match had a weird ending. Sherry takes off her heel to crack Virgil with it, but hits DiBiase with it instead. But then Mm -hmm. Virgil turns to grab Sherry. Repo Man knees him in the lower back, and Virgil just dropped like a sack of potatoes, and DiBiase pinned him. Did I miss something? And, like, why would Virgil just be completely knocked out because he got kneed in the back? Maybe he had a bad, uh, maybe he had a bad back. Like his herniated disc or something. Like, I don't know. The match doesn't belong on the show. The match was, the match was okay, but it doesn't belong in this show. And then it has a weird ending like that. Like that's a, uh, uh, 
Don't like it. <laughs> hmm. Anyway, well, we're almost to the end of this one. We anyway. are. We do get a Hulk Hogan promo and a recap of the Hogan Undertaker feud with Ric Flair and the. Uh, I don't. I don't see how that is um, Undertaker's fault, where he has to redefend. No, nah. like that's that's just it's all Flair. bullshit. It's all yeah. bullshit. So, like, one Hogan refers to his traditional statement in this. I don't know if you called it as the four demandments. <laughs> I had never mm. heard that phrase before, but apparently it's a thing. I don't know if it if this was the first time he used it, but like his training, prayers, the vitamins, and believing in ourselves believing are the four yeah. are the four demandments by Hulk Hogan. That's not a word. It is now demandments. I'm gonna start using them. <laughs> I'm gonna start using that in, in like work meetings and stuff like that. Yeah. According to the the committee demandments instead of bylaws or demandments now. Um <laughs> Hogan is weird in this promo too. So like besides the four demandments thing, he, uh, he then he wraps it up with what you going to do brother when Hogan buries you. Yeah. 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 Like what was that? <laughs> Cocaine. What was that? I don't understand. Like he just, he just went nuts at the end of this promo. Like he just <laughs> like, like, like he had a little short in his, in his like circuit board and like, he just, f- fried and freaked out at the end of it and they cut the camera off real quick or something i don't know i don't know 91 was a weird year very weird (laughs) so um i you know i kind of had blocked out that uh these two actually wrestled each other and it's so very strange to me that they seem like such like they're obviously from the same company but they seem like they're from different corners of the wwf universe you know what i mean like you know how like certain like marvel characters kind of exist only like so the ghost rider like universe and there's a there's sort of a uh group of characters and they all interact with each other that's the undertaker obviously and then you have the rest of the the avengers side of things yeah um, and they don't really like cross over very much and that's the way i sort of look at hulk hogan and macho man and the rest of them but uh, but here they are worlds colliding yeah like this is a year into the undertaker showing up so yeah. the Undertaker showed up at the at at Survivor Series 1990, and this this oh, this whole thing it it really is rarely talked about in WWF history. Like people don't talk about this this mm-hmm. whole moment, even though it's incredibly interesting. I don't know if it's connected to the weirdness of Hulk Hogan and Undertaker having a feud. I don't know if it's connected to uh, the the ignored Ric Flair era that happens at this time period. It's it. You're, you're right that you don't, you don't put these two guys together normally, but it had to happen because the WWF painted themselves into a corner at this point to where the undertaker had never been seen to lose on television. So to the home audience, the undertaker was undefeated. He's undefeated for a year. Why is he not? challenging hulk hogan for the championship because back then people still had that logical mind a bit of like wrestling is still kind of real you can't have a guy showing up on all american wrestling every week winning non-stop and then not (laughs) and (laughs) not have a title shot you know that makes sense although you could explain it in that the undertaker is dead and maybe dead people aren't allowed to compete for the title. Oh, you could have gotten them out of it right there. You're a better yeah. writer already. Yeah, I know. I'm a booking genius. I think you I are. actually won Booker of the Year last year. A lot of people don't know that. 
very fantasy booker of the year right yeah, here tim hackman booker of the year um <laughs> i was given i was given several major awards uh best booking from a uh padded closet best toilet booking that's booking that i've written on the toilet uh, anyway i do my um, best booking in the shower honestly. yeah <laughs> oh is that what you're calling it these days yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey oh Hey. All right. Well, so, uh, yeah, so Hogan starts out on the offensive here, including some, like, big head punches, a big body slam, clotheslines, the Undertaker out of the ring. I don't think I've ever seen the Undertaker sell to anybody like that. Uh, and Hogan looks winded, like, early on. Like, he looks gassed. Multiple things here. They introduce the Undertaker first, who's champion. Mm-hmm. So we know how this is going. Hogan takes his bandana off and stuffs it in the Undertaker's mouth and then starts biting his face. But Hulk Hogan is the good guy. Right. Uh, And yeah, Undertaker no selling to Hogan is actually incredible. It's amazing to watch these old Undertaker matches that we have and see what effect no selling actually has when done properly. Like he is no selling Hogan's moves and the crowd is going nuts because he's just given a little bit each time. But Mm -hmm. Hogan can't knock the taker down. He can't get him down, you know. And it gets the crowd into the match so much. You get this huge Hogan chant. It's amazing because it seems counterintuitive to the concept of pro wrestling to where you have the opponent doesn't show any weakness to your moves. And yet it's working. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I hadn't thought of it that way because the traditional sort of logic or whatever is that the, the selling is what puts you over right it's the the moves itself are maybe 30 percent, but the selling on the other side is the the main effect they are outside of the ring forever yeah there's no count out i don't know i guess no nothing they don't announce <laughs> this as a D, uh, no dqs match yeah and but then like i mean undertaker puts puts him in a straight up choke one hand <laughs> choke around his neck uh and that's uh and he's in that for a long time and uh bobby heenan prognosticates during this match about the undertaker that he's going to be around for a long long time <laughs> boy bobby you got that one right <laughs> you know i think he knew how right he was and uh we see uh hogan reverse the old school move which at this point i don't think anybody had really seen anybody pull the undertaker off of his uh rope walk mm-hmm. but the undertaker then sits up on hogan multiple times and hogan doesn't know what to do and so like the reverse selling of of everything like that is just putting things over like i like this match i know a lot of people don't but i found i find this match enjoyable very much and it's a perfect like uh mix of chaos under classic undertaker classic hogan it's a weird brew that somehow bubbles into a a fun main event to watch yeah i could see that it didn't grab me the same way but it's it was i I don't know i think i was sort of like taken out of it by like just how weird the whole thing was you know so weird it is so Um, weird i understand mentioning you know flair coming down and attacking tunny while all this is going on um just because he's, I don't know, he's pissed still. I don't, whatever. Well, Flair um, is is the real world's champion, right? And so he's there to fuck with Hogan. <laughs> uh, there's no better way to put it. He he wants Hogan, so he takes out Tunny, right? 
and then he holds up a chair and then Taker tries to throw Hogan into it, but Hogan reverses it and Taker eats the chair shot. And then Hogan does the big boot, but Taker like jabs him in the throat and gets up, which is crazy. So he doesn't even get a pin and a count and a kick out of the leg drop. Yeah. Uh, Undertaker just no sells it. It's amazing. And then Bearer hops up on the ring, right? He misses Hogan and hit, hits Undertaker with the urn. And then Hogan uses the ashes to blind the Undertaker and pins him. But the camera gets in just a perfect angle so that you can see that Ric Flair has picked up the semi-conscious Jack Tunney so that he could see Hogan right. cheat. He, so Tunney only sees Hulk Hogan throw ashes in the Undertaker's face and then pen him. And then Gorilla Monsoon's okay with it. He's just fine. <laughs> He's Hulk Hogan's biggest accomplice through this yeah. whole thing. Hogan yeah. stays face because of Gorilla Monsoon, even though he's an asshole and he's the bad guy. He's doing yeah. bad things. Non-stop. He's cheating. He's cheating throughout. Um, yeah, there's some fantastic selling by The Undertaker catching those ashes in the eyes. Like he's like has his hands over his face. He's like thrashing around. It's uh, I thought that was really great. He's um, stumbling. He's shadow boxing yeah. and then goes down. Anyway, so yeah, so after Hulk Hogan gets the pin there, then he whacks Taker with the belt just for good measure, just to be an extra bit of an asshole. And Taker gets kind of knocked out of the ring, but he lands on his feet and he's ready to go right back in after Hogan. Um, but Paul Bearer kind of stops him from climbing back in um, and leads him away. Cause I guess, you know, thinking he'll, he'll get his uh, revenge a little farther down the line. Uh, so then that means we get subjected to uh, just a whole lot of posing. This is a, this is a weird time period for wrestling and it's a weird main event on a weird night of the week. It's strange. This, this one should have been called taboo Tuesday. <laughs> Just going to put it out there. This one, <laughs> This would be Taboo Tuesday in Texas. It's very bizarre. Um, and speaking of bizarre, I guess we can roll right into Taboo Tuesday. This is Taboo Tuesday number one from October 19th, 2004 from the Bradley Center in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Attendance of 3,500. So if you thought that 8,000 show was a little one, this is something else. And the pay-per-view buys on this one are a measly 174,000 people, which is just God awful uh, tagline on this one. Yeah, let me take a deep breath. Hold on. You control the fate of Raw superstars, the World Heavyweight Championship, and the course of history. I don't believe it. <laughs> I don't believe it either. I'm not buying these voting results that they show during I, the show. I am not either. And we can we can get into it. But this is a Raw branded special before they stopped doing that altogether. Maybe just a couple of years after this. Uh, and again, they did two of these. They ran another one in 2005 in San Diego. And then they moved it to Sundays. They renamed it Cyber Sunday, but they kind of kept the same uh, gimmick, which we'll talk a little bit about. And then that ran for another three years before it was replaced by bragging rights in 2009. So, uh, right. So the Taboo Tuesday gimmick here and i'm not entirely sure how it's taboo um and they use the word taboo throughout this thing without really seeming to understand what taboo means uh, but that's okay at one point lawler does use taboo in a correct way but <laughs> is that during the the lingerie match uh yeah actually yeah. it happens to be during the lingerie match <laughs> So the gimmick here is that fans could vote online to determine the opponents or the stipulations for each of the match. Um, you know, as Stalin uh, was supposed to have said, although most historians don't think he actually said it, the, those who vote determine nothing. Those who count the votes determine everything. Um, and I think that's 
that's kind of what we've got here with uh, the actual legitimacy of this voting. Um, Yeah. And like Taboo Tuesday, it just sounds like the show that comes on after Red Shoe Diaries on Showtime. (laughs) (laughs) Well, softcore. David Duchovny's softcore porn show. And then, you know, then Taboo Tuesday comes on after that. Well, Jerry Lawler and Jim Ross are on the mic, so that part's good at least. Um, Jonathan Coachman, who we hate, we don't hate him. It's, we just we do not like his skills. Um, he is in the control center, uh, which basically amounts to like some signs that say control center and two dudes on computers. Uh, it's it's not a very convincing. <laughs> They're in folding team. chairs, like they don't even like <laughs> like at least get them like like office or gamer chairs, like just, just up it a little bit, but no, they're just going to put them on folding chairs for three hours to stare at computer screens. It's really lame. It's really lame. Also, you don't need two guys for that job. You could do it with one. Just saying. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) There are two guys staring at two monitors. Like they're the, and like all they're doing is watching internet votes. They, They don't need, and I bet you they're not even doing that. I bet you they're just like two local, indie jobbers that they're like here you're going to sit in front of a computer for three hours we're going to give you 250 bucks play minesweeper for three hours we'll give you uh, a tryout match before the crowd gets here you can beat up on the brooklyn brawler see how it goes you know so the first vote that they announce is for which outfits the divas will wear in their battle royal later tonight and the choices are french made nurse and schoolgirl. Um, my favorite part of this. Um, so this is, this is a terrible start to the show. And this made, I think both of us want to turn it off almost immediately. Uh, but my favorite part of this is actually, is that the graphic that comes up with the votes has an unnecessary apostrophes after all of these. Uh, so yeah. it's, it's nurses like apostrophe. Yes. Schoolgirls, like, like as in the nurses dress. Or yeah. Whatever. They put it in like possessive. Yeah. Like, like, uh, like they're going to wear something that actually belonged to a nurse or something that actually belonged to a French maid or what actually belonged to a schoolgirl. It's just like, uh, which slutty Halloween costume do you want the women to wear? <laughs> slutty nurse. Uh, but so, so slutty schoolgirl wins out. Um, and this is, this is maybe our first uh, hint that uh, this voting is not on the up and up because obviously they're not going to travel around with, uh, there's like 10 women in that match. They're not going to travel around with all three costumes for each of them. And we have to sit there and act like they're actually tabulating and loading the thing too. And like, it's got this weird, bad techie music playing. Like that we just have to keep listening to throughout the whole night. But this one, it's really bad because it, I think they're having technical difficulties of actually loading the screen to show us the votes. And this is the, this, you're right. This is the first moment where I'm just like, this feels like bullshit to me. (sighs) Yeah. This, this pay-per-view may not warrant a whole lot of discussion, but we'll, we'll do our best. We're, you know, we're here for our service to the fans. You know, we we take our job seriously. I really Um, tried not to fast forward, but at one point I did. (laughs) Well, so the first, like, Actual matches, uh, Chris Jericho is the WWF Intercontinental Championship, and the viewers can vote on who's going to face him for this belt, which, again, the WWE is not going to let its fans decide who the IC title holder is. Uh, And spoiler alert, Shelton Benjamin wins this match and takes the belt, which tells you even more that this is uh, fake, right? They're using the crowd and the audience 
to shake up and do crazy shit that they wouldn't be able to do logically. Mm. Like they're just they're like, well, the audience has demanded Shelton Benjamin and Chris Jericho have a match and Shelton Benjamin wins it. And so they can just, they can just blame anything on this voting. Uh, it, it's all just a mask. There's no way any of the voting that really happened this night is real. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, yeah, no, for sure. And uh, so the other options for this first one were Hurricane Helms, Maven, who had just won the first season of Tough Enough, if you remember that, Rhino, John, Jonathan Coachman, uh, Rosie from the Anoa'i family, uh, William Regal, Tyson Tomko, Christian... Batista, who came in second place with 20.11% of the fake votes, uh, Stevie Richards, Tajiri, Val Venus, Chuck Palumbo, and Rodney Mack. So among all those people, um, Shelton Benjamin somehow managed to scrape together like 38% of the vote out of a field of, what is that, 12? Uh, yeah, it was five, ridiculous. Six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. Actually, that's uh, 15. Anyway... Um, Jericho's, did you catch Jericho's build from Manhasset, New York? I mean, he is, he's actually American. He just trained in the heart dungeon, but he's, he's American. His father was a hockey player in the NHL for the Rangers, I believe. Well, I didn't know that. Yeah. But I think he, he has been announced as being Canadian and stuff like that, but it's just because what is Jericho doesn't he go by like the last wrestler from the heart dungeon or something like that? The last person trained in the heart dungeon. Yeah. He has tried that at various points. Yeah. So, uh, but anyways, this match this actual <laughs> match <laughs> the match is decent. What I liked about it was that of all the matches that they allow the audience to determine the opponents. in, this is the match where it looks the least planned Jericho looks like he's caught off guard that Jericho doesn't know who he's actually going to wrestle and that he's out of sorts. He looks out of sorts in this match and clearly it's, it's, it's the cell. And it's interesting that like he's doing that in such a way to where Jericho is doing a lot more strong style fighting. He's doing a lot of strikes, a bit of grapples and stuff like that while it's allowing uh, Shelton Benjamin to show off his more technical style. So it's a really good, counter mix that's happening in this match i thought uh shelton benjamin wins with this beautiful suplex and gets the pin on jericho and then jericho shakes his hand afterwards and hands him the belt it's uh yeah it's a moment that like almost makes this pay-per-view feel real <laughs> yeah no I, we've said it before when we've seen him every time we've seen it shelton benjamin's a fucking star like that guy is is an incredible athlete um I'm glad that he, you know, I'm glad that he had the run that he did. Um, he still looks amazing. He had a birthday recently and there's some yeah. new, recent pictures of him. Like he doesn't, he looks the same. Um, so that He's guy's got amazing. that baby face, you know? Yeah. No, he was fantastic. Yeah. Um, they next show the voting results to see who's going to face Triple H for the championship. The three finalists are Edge, Chris Benoit, Shawn Michaels. HBK is the winner, even though he says that his leg is really, really hurt. Uh, and he doesn't know how he's going to compete. It's really hurt, you guys. No, for real. It really is. Oh, um, my God. We're so surprised. <laughs> I so can't we'll believe Shawn Michaels won the voting and it's close with Edge. Hmm, oh, my. Shocking. So we'll oh. see how that plays out. Yeah, I wonder if something will happen. <laughs> God damn it. <sighs> Sigh. Um, the 
uh, I know you've all been holding your breath since the sexy schoolgirl was announced, uh, but now uh, now it's time for the Fulfill Your Fantasy Battle Royal for the WWE Women's Championship. The competitors are Trish Stratus, Jazz, Nydia, who I had totally forgotten. Uh, she was the other Tough Enough Season 1 winner. Yep. Um, I liked her, actually. I remember her liking her. She was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, Gail Kim, Molly Holly. She's got a sort of severe uh, haircut and a conservative outfit on. And JR says she reminds me of a librarian, which I didn't appreciate. Get fucked, Jerry Lawler. <laughs> it's just hurtful. You know, it's hurtful. Um, Victoria, Stacy Keebler, who's like a f- head taller than everybody else um, and who you uh, are are good good friends with obviously yeah obviously Uh, anyway so that's that's the lineup um they all come out in their little outfits i i i appreciated jazz ripping the sleeves off of her schoolgirl uniform because she's she's not here for this bullshit no i i 100 was on board with jazz being like you can tell that like jazz before this match is probably even like what is this bullshit i can't wear my wrestling gear I can't wear my wrestling. I need to dress as a schoolgirl. Fine. Fine. Watch. And like, she just like looks like a slob and this is like rough, rough around the edges. It's so good. But we're, we're really undercutting uh, Jonathan Coachman's announcements of the election results. All of them are painful. <laughs> they are all sorry painful. He goes, so every single one of them, it's like, all right, well, Let's see. Milwaukee, which one would you prefer? And then he reads out each of the options. And the crowd, yay, or is silent. And then he goes, let's see. This is specifically what he says every time. Let's see what the worldwide internet says in the results. Like, this isn't 1997. This isn't a GeoCities poll. Like, Christ, man. Like you might as well be telling people to still use an AOL keyword yeah. WWE superstars. Like, oh God! Like, God damn it, Coach! <laughs> Jesus Christ, man! It, it's just so, it's so rough. It's every single every single one of his announcements is like that. Would you guys like to see them dressed as a nurse? Would Milwaukee like to see them dressed as a French maid? Meanwhile, half the audience probably doesn't even understand like yeah. the French maid kind of reference thing. And then finally, all right, Milwaukee, how about as a schoolgirl? <laughs> Christ, Coach, Jesus Christ, can you can you can you kill the energy of the show a little more? <laughs> It really, it really makes it drag. This thing right. is like two hours and 50 minutes long. And it feels, I, I don't know if I told you, but I tried to finish this like three separate times and I fell asleep two of three times. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I can see why you'd fall asleep. This, Jesus. This is horrible. <laughs> and like, I would have just preferred jazz versus Trish Stratus. Just give him this. What, what's wrong with that match? Just, okay. So you need to drag them all out for a payday. Great. Thanks. Yeah. Um, or put her in there with Nydia, who, uh, you know, Jazz was one of the coaches on Tough Enough. It'd be like a coach versus student. She could just beat the fuck out of Nydia. Yeah. And like, they're the only, like, there's like just a bunch of creepy, pervy stuff happening. 
And then Victoria gets Gail Kim up in like a reverse electric chair. So like she's sitting on her shoulders with her crotch in, in Victoria's face. And the crowd just goes crazy over that. Like, what do you think is happening? It's, it's Milwaukee. It's, it's, it's December, so it's very cold. They don't know what's going on. Yeah. And then Victoria gets catapulted out. And that was sad. So I was like, mm. yeah. If someone's going to win this, I hope Victoria or Trish Stratus or Jazz win. Jazz, yeah. We do get Trish winning. Great. Great. The champion retains after a battle royal. That goes all of five minutes and 35 seconds. She tosses right. Molly right. to retain the belt. Jerry Lawler hyperventilates multiple times. Uh, let's let's just keep going. Yeah. There's a little promo with uh, La Resistance who are <laughs> – this is actually kind of funny. I, th- I like this little gimmick. Um they're talking about the illegitimacy of the elections uh, now, how they should be the ones to win the the chance to compete for the world tag team champions. And, and then the, the interviewer actually says, Oh, you know, you guys actually, actually won and you'll be facing Benoit and edge. And then they're like, then they, and they turn around and like, Oh, well, it must've been the Montreal fans who pushed us over the edge with the voting and that kind of thing. It was kind of funny. It was cute. Yeah. <laughs> It's fine. You don't have to agree. Um, the next thing is insane. Uh, this is Gene Snitsky, which has got to be the worst wrestling name I think maybe Snitsky. I've ever heard. Snitsky. Snitsky. It's fucking awful. Uh, versus Kane with Lita. Um, I, you know, this whole thing, uh, there's some kind of weird stockholm syndrome thing between kane and lita and he had kidnapped her and then but then they fell in love and she was carrying his baby and snitsky whacks kane with a chair and he falls on top of lita and of course she loses the quote-unquote baby um and he's like he's saying oh it's not my fault it's not my fault but then at the same time he does things like bring a baby carriage to the ring and it was it's really bad look i'm gonna be in favor of any time storyline results in people making baby killer signs and bringing them to a wrestling pay-per-view. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, this is the tail end of the attitude era. They're still trying to be, they're still edgy. They're still not PG yet. I mean, I guess you can only have Kane feud with the undertaker for so long and be friends with the undertaker for so long. He's got to do something else. So why not have Kane kidnap and marry eh, Lita <laughs> and get her pregnant. And suddenly we have Kane in his weird half shaven face and had like the front half of his head is shaved and he has no eyebrows and no facial hair, but then he has like a buzz cut in the back, very close buzz cut in the back. You get to see him dressed in a polo shirt and khakis. <laughs> like it's so, it's so weird. Like, like a suburban dad. Right. Lita is totally normalized him. Like Kane is like, mowing the lawn to get away from the wife you know and he's he's having the neighbors over for for grills you know for cookouts you know but you know he gets edgy around open flames still but you know <laughs> grill up a couple porterhouses it's worth it right yeah with a couple the, brewskis around the fire just keep the flames yeah. medium you know don't don't get too out of hand Talking about IPAs with people and stuff, you know. Snitsky um, does give a give a pretty good slash terrible line. He says, "Tomorrow night, your husband's going to lose his match, just like you lost your baby." <laughs> it's not at all like that, but that's fine. Um, so the the gimmick for the internet for this one is that the fans get to select the weapon. Um, so we get Coachman, of course, drawing this out. 
as long as possible. But the choices are lead pipe, steel chair, or chain. And I wrote down, this is the worst game of Clue ever. Um, (laughs) Who um, killed the baby? Gene Snitsky (laughs) in the conservatory. With the chain. Yeah, the chain gets uh, 41% of the vote. So congratulations to the chain. Um, I feel like they should have had a runoff because he didn't get more than 50%. But whatever. Um, this is okay. All of that aside, this is actually a halfway decent match. Like it's, yeah, this is a pretty good match. It's yeah. Nice. It's, it's really brutal. Um, Snitsky has the upper hand for most of the time, I guess, because Kane is just and so emotionally distraught. He's also wondering where he put his white new balance. Uh, and <laughs> Snitsky is just whooping on him with the chain for a long, long time. Yeah. Um, I love the fact that like uh, you kill a baby and you're not the top heel in the show. <laughs> <laughs> you kill a baby. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. Um, and then at some point, Snitsky gets, gets a chair and I thought they were only allowed to use a chain. So I, I guess it's still a no holds barred match. And it's just, they just happen to put the chain in the middle of the ring instead of a chair. Like I stupid. It's stupid. <laughs> stupid. The best moment of this whole match, really, though, is when uh, Snitsky uh, pilmanizes Kane's neck, and then Kane pops a blood capsule in his mouth and starts spitting blood all over the yeah. place. You can see him chewing on it too, clearly chewing on a capsule. And like after like ten seconds, he's not bleeding anymore. <laughs> like you got to keep chewing on him, dude. Like. Right before that happens, Lawler says, I don't know which I hate more about Snitsky, his name or his face. <laughs> I'm going to use that. Yeah. I'm gonna use that at work. So JR starts screaming, he may have a collapsed trachea over and over and over again. And like Lawler calls him out immediately. Like, are you a doctor? Yeah. How do you know? <laughs> he says, I'm not a doctor, but it could be something that severe. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the doc's. The ref calls for the doc and Snitsky comes back just in time to get the pin and then stalks off. They strap old Kane, old bloody mouth Kane to uh, a, uh, a, whatchamacallit, a gurney. He's on a backboard on a gurney and yeah. he gets up to the top of the ramp and Snitsky comes out. All right. So this spot made me laugh, actually. Snitsky comes out from behind again, puts his arms under the edge of the gurney and just tips that motherfucker over with <laughs> <laughs> and like there's no way for Kane to break his fall. Like he's tied. No, he's he's got to eat down. it. Like he goes down like face first onto the ramp. Um, and JR screaming. He's like, that son of a bitch. That no good son of a bitch. Oh, it's so good. It's a great, uh, honestly, the bit though, where Ritznitsky comes running back down the pin cane. I think it's because he thought the match, they had ended the match and they yeah. didn't. And so, like, Snitsky left already, and then he had to run back down so that he could do the pin to end the match so then they could then progress into the calling down for the EMTs to to take care of Kane. Like, I think it's a weird botch. Yeah, I, do. I think you're right. I think he just straight up forgot. <laughs> <laughs> he forgot to finish the match. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, they take so long that if he really was bleeding out of his mouth that heavily, he would have been dead. Kane would have died right there in the ring. <laughs> he takes so long. They don't know how to get the collar brace on him. Yeah. Like they they're like if you looked carefully, Kane is holding the collar on himself. 
What they need to do is get a real EMT to do those spots, right? Like somebody who's actually had some EMT training. They don't know how to put the brace on. And then like they didn't, they couldn't figure out how to get the stretcher legs to, to go down at first. So like, they're like bending over to wheel Kane up the ramp while Kane is holding the brace on himself. And then they finally get it fully extended. The wheels pop up so they don't have to like bend over to push it and then they pop up and then that's when snitsky pops up and (laughs) flips the stretcher the whole scene is such a mess and i i mean it's a great spot i enjoy it it's probably one of the best spots on this show but it's just like a series of botches in a row that are just like all right so they're obviously not real emts if they don't know how to put the collar on and they don't know how to strap cane to the to the backboard and they don't like they're fumbling around with everything. They don't know what they're doing. It's uh but you get that JR screaming, that no good son of a bitch about Snitsky. There's a lot of uh there's a lot of unintentional comedy in this match and uh, Yeah. That's so it's great. The next I am getting tired of the show already. Um the next one is uh <laughs> Eric Bischoff, who is the general manager for Monday Night Raw. So WCW is over, people are are over here, and he is wrestling Eugene. Um, and you remember Eugene, he's, he's a wrestler. Yeah. His gimmick is that he's got some sort of cognitive disability. Um, I would like to do an internet poll on whether Eugene or the movie I Am Sam is more offensive. Mm, yeah. Still waiting on the results there. Yeah. Uh, but I had forgotten that Eugene Kayfabe was Eric Bischoff's nephew. I had forgotten about that whole storyline. <laughs> I didn't I didn't remember that at all either, but that's yeah. okay. The stipulations that the internet are voting on for this one is the loser has to wear a dress for a month, which that's that's a long time, be the winner's servant, or have your head shaved. And you can tell which one the audience is into. They're not going to announce it to the end of the match. But come on, with those options, you know it's a hair match. Yeah. It's a hair match. Especially with Eugene's crazy hair and Eric Bischoff's, like, he was known for that hair look at the time. Like, that was part of his look. You know it's a hair match. (laughs) Don't bother with the voting. It's a hair match. Yeah. It's dumb. Um, I don't know. Eugene wins. Voting is revealed. It's a shocker. Yeah, Everybody wants Bischoff's head shaved. Um, Coachman is now trying to sort of con the audience into uh saying that what they really wanted was uh was the dress or the other one but then of course mr mcmahon comes out to to set things straight he's doing that that power walk and he just looks like he has shit in his pants (laughs) i i've seen that walk out of my toddler (laughs) he shit his pants that's what it looks like you're carrying a load you're carrying a heavy load in that diaper there mr mcmahon Vince sets him straight and says, you, you, you're going to be fired if you don't do it. And then they, and then finally they get Bischoff in the chair after he like tries to leave like three times. And then the Clippers have like the number five stop on them. It's not shaving his head at all. No. It's bullshit. Like they get a couple chunks of hair and they're like, Oh my God, Eric Bischoff is losing his hair. I did love the fact that like it did reveal Eric's, uh, uh, roots and that he was dying yeah. his hair. Um, and like, I had seen that happening before Vince goes, wait a minute, you're gray. And then he calls him a phony son of a bitch. <laughs> well, and I noticed, uh, when I fell asleep and then woke up on the autoplay of taboo Tuesday, number two was on and Eric Bischoff is on there and he's, you know, full gray. So yeah. he never, he never went back. Um, he does, uh, make coachman put the dress on, um, 
just for extra whatever. Yeah, Coach gets forced to wear a dress now because he tried to do shenanigans with the voting results. Yeah. Also, I've lost count of the number of times that Vince tells another man to take off his pants on live television. He does tell Coachman, um, who's got the dress on, he says, don't be a slut, button it up. I'm like, well, that's that's just... Did you not see the match earlier? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Apparently not. All right. Tag team championship match. Uh, Chris Benoit Edge versus La Resistance. Uh, La Resistance sings Oh Canada in French, which I really like. Um, yeah. Only one of them's Canadian, by the way. Lawler asks, uh, did anybody vote for this? <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's also a uh, excellent sign that says, I came to see the killer bees. Nice. Yeah, that was great. Again, this is a weird, weird thing to where like La Resistance, only one of them is Canadian. Robert Conway is actually Robert Conway Jr. from Louisville, Kentucky. And they're they're more Canadian than the two Canadians that they're about to actually wrestle. The crowd gets a weak USA chant, but it doesn't really work. Yeah, everybody in the this. everybody in the match is Canadian or fake Canadian. Right. Um and I found myself just like bored in this match whenever Benoit was not in yeah. not the legal man. Like I just yeah. didn't care. Um, and then there was a weird flapjack thing that was wrong. And there's, there's a lot of boringness until Edge pulls a Sid and walks out on Benoit. Yeah. But we should also mention that the reason why Edge and Benoit are challenging for the tag titles is because they lost the right. the thing for the world championship. And apparently whoever lost the two losers in the world championship vote were going to be forced to tag to face the tag champs. I'm like, well, that's kind of weird. That's perfectly logical. Yeah. Yeah. The edge stalking off thing that gave me uh Rick Martel on Tito Santana vibes. Yeah. He, um, split up strike force by turning his back on Tito Santana. And I've never forgiven him since Rick Martel. I hope you sit on your favorite sunglasses. I did like the one camera angle in this match that Benoit is being choked uh, by La resistance in the perfect position to where he has to watch edge leave the arena on the big screen. <laughs> Like his face is forced to face the big screen that is showing edge hopping in a car and rolling out. Uh, that was, that was a nice moment. And, but uh, we get a surprise where Chris Benoit wins the match by himself via crippler cross face and uh, they tap out and suddenly Benoit is tag champion by himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he's a maniac and he's, he's a violent mess in this match it is, he has a snap suplex that like it's just it's brutal. Yeah. His chops are just they hurt me to watch them. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's a weird match. I I you know, and and we've talked before, we've sort of mixed feelings about watching him compete. Um, but um it's yeah. All right. We should probably just move on. Yeah, and this is this is where I actually put down in my notes that they're totally using the unpredictability of the internet to cover and make excuses to make drastic changes. Crazy shit is happening on this pay-per-view. Chris Jericho has lost the Intercontinental title. Benoit has won the tag championship by himself. Eric Bischoff has had his head shaved after being beaten by Eugene. Like it's it's there's this weird things. You know, that they're using the internet to cover. They're like, oh, well, the internet wanted all the women dressed as schoolgirls. Yeah, it wasn't us. No. Well, you're the one that told the internet to vote on it. So. Yeah. And you're the one who only provided those three options. Right. Um, so it's just. Uh, yeah. There is a uh, a little promo with Triple H. He's asked how he feels about <laughs> facing Shawn Michaels. 
Um, and he, he clearly doesn't buy that Sean's leg is injured. So he says, I've known Sean for 10 years and he's full of crap. <laughs> Basically, you can summarize this promo with, with uh, Triple H hates the internet and Shawn Michaels is full of crap. Like yeah. that's, <laughs> I laughed out loud when, when he, when he was like, Shawn Michaels, he's full of crap. <laughs> After the promo, Jerry Lawler lands the line that he wouldn't believe Shawn Michaels if his tongue was notarized. Mm, nice. That's a good one. Yeah, that's a good line. Uh, Christy Hemi and Carm- Carmella. Yeah, yeah Carmella. Carmella. We're in a lingerie pillow fight selected by the fans for options, including an aerobics challenge, which I don't know what the fuck that is, and an evening gown match, which we've seen before. Obviously, the lingerie pillow fight is going to win that. It's so dumb. Christy was apparently the diva search winner, for which the grand prize was $250,000. Yeah. Um, that's. It's fine. It ends. It's relatively short. I noted at one point that there's no doubt that neither of them know how to wrestle. And then right out of JR's mouth comes, none of these ladies have wrestling training. Uh, <laughs> it's like, no shit. Yeah. It's no bad. Shit. Yeah. But it ends after a minute and 48 seconds. So that's good. Um, the only other thing that I enjoyed was that at one point they were rolling around in Kane's dried blood. <laughs> you could see it on the camera. They're like their faces are rubbing in Kane's blood. Like <laughs> well, it's fake blood anyway. Yeah. And uh there was a wardrobe malfunction where uh Christy clearly couldn't get the stockings on to her lingerie. Oh yeah. So it takes forever for them to get to the ring because Christy Hemi can't get in the costume. And uh it's a it's a mess because you know they're getting dressed on live TV and behind shadow boxes and it doesn't work because Carmela misses her blocking. And so the spotlight isn't really showing her silhouette in the box whatsoever. And then Christy Hemi spends half of it just stuck bent over <laughs> trying to put stockings on that she can't get to come up. And then finally she just gives up and leaves. I have a feeling that this match was actually supposed to be like four or five minutes long, but because of the delay of getting to the ring, they're just like, all right, it's a minute. Let's just get this done. <laughs> Eh, that's fine. It was like Christy gets the pin and Carmella's shoulders aren't even down. It's bad. <laughs> it's we're really almost bad. We're almost home though. Triple H versus Shawn Michaels is next. Um, this one lasts about, right about 14 minutes. It's yeah. 78 to 82% Triple H working on Shawn's injured leg. We've seen this match before. This match, I cannot tell the difference between any of the Triple H versus Shawn Michaels matches anymore. They all have the same spots. There's always hitting the ring post by a catapult. There's a figure four spot in the middle of the ring with Shawn Michaels screaming. <laughs> like, the same things happen in every single one of them. And I'm done with it. This is one of the ones I fell asleep during. And then when I restarted, I did not go back and, and watch it. So I don't have any notes, but I, yeah. I also don't um, care. Yeah, I mean, Sean is selling the knee pretty good. And uh, there's there's one one spot that I enjoyed, and it's the figure four spot. Sean Michaels is not overselling the figure four like he does normally. and But he's grimacing in, in serious pain. And, and like the ref is asking Sean if he wants to give up. And Triple H is slapping Sean in the face, like reaching over, slapping him and telling him and yelling at him, give up, Sean, give up. It's, it's just a really like like intimidating moment out of triple H that we don't, I, I normally don't like triple H at all. He's boring, 
Um, and then this is this is where I started getting even more suspicious of the internet voting because Batista runs in to interfere. It doesn't work. But then Edge pops up in the other side of the ring and spears Sean. Triple H gets the pin. Um, but like if Edge had won the popular vote, supposedly, would that have been Sean attacking and costing Edge the championship? Right. What if Benoit had won? If Benoit won the won the vote, would Sean and Eddie uh, or not Eddie Edge have challenged for the tag titles like, and would have they have won? Would they have dethroned La Resistance? Like, I, I this is why I don't trust it because like it it all lines the stories up too perfectly and too yeah. nicely. You also know that in a poll between Shawn Michaels, Edge, and Chris Benoit, Shawn Michaels is going to win it. Yeah, of course. So like it's all controlled. It doesn't matter, you know. <laughs> And then it doesn't matter, but like if you're going to sell it as like the internet is choosing the matches and stuff like that, then fucking do it. <laughs> then like actually let that happen and have some weird shit happen, but like you're not. So we have to watch Triple H versus Shawn Michaels again. Again. Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, guys. Thanks for yeah. coming. Uh, that's That was a championship match. Did I say that? Triple H beats Shawn Michaels, keeps his belt. No real consequences. The last match was a choose the stipulation match. It's Randy Orton versus Ric Flair. This is in Randy's sort of legend killer phase where he's beating up all the old guys. Uh, and the stipulations that they had to, to choose from were steel cage match, falls count anywhere, or submission match, which, again, it's going to be the steel cage. Like there's Right. No one wants to see Randy Orton in a submission match because Randy Orton doesn't use submission <laughs> he doesn't moves. Use them. Only Ric Flair does. Yeah. False count anywhere. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I bet you it's still going to end in the middle of the ring. Yeah. Of course you of course it's a steel cage. And oh, they just conveniently had the steel cage with them. That shit's expensive to haul around. Right. And the hoist stopped there. Just just happens to be hanging right above the ring. Right. Ready to go. Lit up like the 4th of July. 68% of the vote. Now, before this match is when I fast forwarded. Okay. Because they spend what felt like 20 minutes summarizing the whole pay-per-view. Every match. Before they even start this match. Before they even start lowering the cage. We have to listen to them recap everything that happened as if we didn't just fucking watch it <laughs> we just paid for it on pay-per-view we just paid you your 30 dollars of blood money to watch a pay-per-view on a tuesday night and you're going to spend all this airtime to <laughs> just tell us what we just watched come on yeah i didn't understand that at all and well and if you had to fill if you had to like vamp during the uh the pay-per-view, which I don't think it's that's why it's there, but just if that's the case, you know, during a live event, sure. But why it's on the peacock now, like you can, you can cut that part out. Like you don't need to recap. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so I was watching this one with my wife and we had a sort of over under on, you know, who would start bleeding first and at what minute mark they would start bleeding. And I have to say, I thought it was going to be flair first, but it's Randy Orton first. Um, 
and during the Wrestle War '91 and the War Games match, we called out the uh, the old cheese grater maneuver of taking your opponent's face back and forth across the cage. That happens to both of these guys at various points, uh, and there is a lot of blood, and not Kane biting on the blood capsule blood, but like actual blood from forehead cuts. It's a, it gets a little messy, to be honest. This is I, I immediately was like, oh well. Ric Flair's going to bleed, right? Of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> He's got his hair slicked back and stuff like that. And uh, this cage match is, it's its really good. Yeah, my notes are a little spotty, but. Well, that's a sign of a good match. <laughs> I enjoy, yeah, I enjoyed this one. Um, there's some funny stuff. Uh, Flair's pants get pulled down at one point and the, the ref like leans over and hikes his chunks up for him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, get some dignity together, man. That was after he tried to do a, uh, a face bump off the top rope. Yeah. And then straddles himself on the top rope, falling, and then and then his underpants came down. And <laughs> we got a full flare moon tonight yeah. uh, going. Um, I really enjoyed that it was old school style, too, with getting the getting color with the with the blood there. They, uh, they hit the cage. They blade themselves when they fall down. And then the person gets up and pounds on their face to get the blood going. Yeah. Old school. Digging that knuckles into that cut to get the juices running. Spread that shit around. Yeah, it was real good. And then uh, <laughs> later in the match, too, uh, Flair, Flair's bleeding had started slowing down. And you could see where, like, the there's a spot where uh, Flair is flat on his back and Orton mounts him on top and starts punching down onto his face. You could see like every other punch flair would actually pull his head up so he would eat the punch to get the blood going again he was taking he was intentionally throwing himself into into a withdrawn punches to get blood going again the real hard way like <laughs> it's hardcore and the dude's yeah. like 50 at this point yeah <laughs> he's yeah, just we taking were- punching I was trying to calculate it out. He must have been in his early to mid fifties. There's yeah. another spot then when he's trying to get out through the cage door and he's sort of like leaning over the edge of the apron. He's crawling on his belly. His head is yeah. kind of down and the blood is just like pouring from his head yeah. because he's fed, he's got head down. And the gravity is all yeah. doing the work for him. That part was nuts. Orton is bleeding. Oh my God. He is all, Oh my God. It's a mess. <laughs> it's a fucking mess. This is only two years into Orton. He's he had only yeah. started two thousand two ish. So yeah, uh, he looks like a baby here. Yeah, well, not after this. <laughs> you bleed like that. Well, that's uh, how you. Then, uh, that's how you get the you know the face of a man. You know, a real yeah, a real fighter. I think I think Orton watched Flair's match with Harley Race before this match because there was some there was some. Uh, from the first Starcade, there was some there was some callouts to it. Like Orton goes for a crossbody on Flair that's like equally as ugly as Flair's crossbody on Harley Race. Uh, the blood, the everything, you know. There's just there's just a lot of a lot of spots there that are like very. It has a very old school feeling to this match. When Flair cheese grates Randy Orton's face on the cage, uh, Jr. is like he's like making coleslaw. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. And then for some reason, Jerry Lawler openly endorses George Bush during the, <sighs> during the match. Um, and then at one point, Flair tastes Orton's blood that, that moment. I love that. He had some of Orton's blood on his hand and he just licks it off. Like, yeah, it's fucking badass. What a maniac. 
Uh, and Lawler was a face commentator in this because Flair is kind of face in this match. At least the crowd is treating him like the face in this match. Yeah. Well, it's kind of, yeah. it's, it's weird because so Flair is associated with Triple H, but Triple H is heel. He's like the biggest heel. Well, is this around, this is evolution, right? This is the end of this. Evolution. This was the split of evolution. What happened right before this. Yeah. And so Batista is still bad and Triple H are bad, but Orton is kind of good. And so is Flair for some reason. But it's weird. It's kind of paper, rock, scissors. They're all, <laughs> they're all equally good and bad. It's yeah. kind of weird, uh, kind of balance that's happening there. But Flair is the good guy in this match, and Orton is the bad guy. And Lawler is openly rooting for Flair to win this match, which is interesting to watch Lawler. Like whenever, whenever there's an old timer in the match, Lawler pivots. That's what I was gonna say. I mean, they're they're fellow old guys, right? And so you got to stick with the stick with your fellow old guys against these young whippersnappers. Uh, Flair is uh, fifty five here for the record. Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> can you imagine? And so I get it, right? And, you know, Randy Orton is is coming along specifically making his name off of the the backs of these other guys who paved the way for him. So Lawler has to sort of take umbrage with that, you know. I I also love the ending of this match. Flair goes for the chair shot, misses, and as he spins around, gets sucked into the RKO, and and Randy wins. And then suddenly you have, uh, right as the the show ends, uh, Flair reaches for a handshake with Orton, and like kayfabe collapses while shaking Orton's hand, and like suddenly they're both faces. It so it works. Yeah, well, that was a good finish. I'm not going to be upset about that one. <laughs> yeah well and it's sort of like well you know you you i don't know you have to if you're the old you're the old lion right you can't be mad at the at the young lion for coming up and and trying to knock you off because that's what the young lions are supposed to do so he uh he respects him he, he put up a good fight he won he won cleanly um despite some of flair's dirty tricks you know he nut shots orton uh here um uh-huh. that that's a that is a beauty of an RKO. Yeah, um, and and brass knucks came out at one point, yeah. and you know, the chair. Flair is earning that dirtiest player in the game moniker that he took on in WWF or WWE Sorry. at this point. Sorry, it's a uh, this is this is by far the best match of the night. Yeah, well, like uh, like Jesse Ventura said, right? Win if you can, lose if you must, but always cheat. As we always do when we wrap up, we like to just take a moment to pay tribute to the men and women we've seen who are no longer with us. So the in-memoriam analysis for both shows, for this Tuesday in Texas from 1991 and for Taboo Tuesday number one from 2004, in-memoriam includes Paul Bearer, Gorilla Monsoon, Bobby the Brain Heenan, Mean Gene Okerman, ring announcer Howard Finkel, referee Joey Morella, Macho Man Randy Savage, Miss Elizabeth, WWF President Jack Tunney, British Bulldog Davy Boy Smith, Sensational Sherry Martell, and from 2004 show Rosie Anoa'i and Chris Benoit. All right. So, you have any final thoughts on our uh, our two for Tuesdays? Should should the WWE um, try to 
trying to make Tuesday pay-per-views happen again? Absolutely not, unless it's absolutely <laughs> necessary. I mean, I can. The only reason why I could see them doing it is because uh, they realize that they have a lot of people doing their first viewings of their premium live events after the fact. So, like, or like people aren't watching it on the Saturday night that it happens; they're watching it on like. Tuesday night after work, then yeah, right. why not do it live on a Tuesday night? Well, and the uh, you know the streaming landscape and the the DVR has obviously changed so much of this, you know, like so when I get a Saturday night pay per view, like an actual pay per view, like an AEW one, I am watching it and I'm also recording it usually, and then I will you know I will usually watch the first two hours and then I will fall asleep and I'll go back the next morning or afternoon and watch the rest of it. And when the WWE runs their premium live events, which are now just sort of you know they're streamed live to the Peacock, but then of course they're available uh, after that, and so I watch them when I need to, and I always DVR Dynamite and God help me even Rampage and I almost never watch them and it's the time that they're on. So anyway, the, the whole landscape of how people watch this content has shifted so dramatically in the last, you know, 18 years since taboo Tuesday. And now, you know, we would vote on uh, Twitter for all this stuff. We would have hashtag lingerie pillow fight. Taboo Tuesday, boy. What a, why <laughs> Jesus, why have fake internet voting? It's cause it's clear. It's, if it's not fake, you already like added a ton of bias to the votes because the options were ridiculous. An aerobics showdown, evening gown match, or sexy lingerie. What are the 18 to 40 year old demogra- male demographic going to vote for? Oh, I wonder. Huh. You know. Oh, uh, during the in memoriam, I sh- I forgot to uh, mention Kane and Lita's unborn child. So make sure we put that in there as well. <laughs> Thoughts and prayers to them. Rip, rip little Abel. Maybe Kane would have time. named this kid Abel. Yeah, maybe. Uh, was that Undertaker? I wonder if that was Undertaker's real name. Abel. Abel. Um. <laughs> yeah. I should name him Kita. Kane and Lita, get it? Anyway, or Lane. If they could have twins, name them Lane and Kita. That'd be amazing. <laughs> Booker of the year over here, folks. All right. Anyway, let's wrap it up. It's getting late. We're getting punchy. Happy, happy New Year, everybody. Um, we are looking happy forward New to New Year 2023 and lots more shows. We did 36 episodes last year, and we're going to do our best to continue bringing uh, all your favorite shows. So you can always drop us a tweet at WrestleMania Pod, drop us an email at all the WrestleManias at gmail.com. You can find us at all the WrestleManias.com, and of course, on all of your favorite podcast platforms. We've got the socials going on uh, Instagram and Facebook and YouTube. And and TikTok, uh, and we always love to hear from you. So uh, once again, thanks for listening, everybody. I'm your co-host, Tim. And I'm Rich. And we will see you next time.